Friends, today we are celebrating the first Sunday of Advent, and it's such an amazing time for us to celebrate and to see what God is calling us into this time of Advent. It's interesting because when you talk of Advent, the words really speak of what it means. Uh, Advent comes from that Latin word Adventus, which means coming. But actually, the word is sourced from Greek, which is parousia, which means the second coming. So originally, the, the celebration of Advent was actually the celebration or the expectation of the coming and the second coming of Jesus. It was only in the Middle Ages, though, that Advent was connected and tied to the celebration of the birth of Jesus. So in a way, it became sort of a, a symbolic waiting of the birth of Jesus. But between the birth of Jesus and the second coming, what do we do? And that is the space where God is calling us in this stage of our lives. And so as we reflect on uh, this Advent season, there are four ways that we would be reflecting on that for the next couple of uh, Sundays. So today we would be talking about and reflecting on hope and fear, reflecting on the story of the Magi and, uh, and Herod. Next week, the second Sunday of Advent, we would be reflecting on um, peace in the midst of uncertainty, and we would be reflecting on the lives of Simeon and Anna. On the third Sunday of Advent, we would be reflecting on joy and surprise, particularly in terms of the reflection of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And for the fourth Sunday of Advent, just before Christmas, we would be reflecting on love beyond reason and the life and the lives of Mary and Joseph would be the ones that we would be reflecting on. And today, however, we would be just be focusing on hope and fear. And the text that we have read today spoke of the journey of the Magi and that of Herod. But as we reflect on that, there are key things that we need to reflect on at this time. Significant, spiritual, and theological lessons that we get from this story of the Magi and Herod. First, that we could not understand that journey of the Magi outside of the context of the story of Herod. Let me be clear about that. We could only interpret the story of the Magi and the, the, the wise men in the context also of the story of Herod. It's a contrast between life and death, hope and fear. So in that case, therefore, it's sort of a juxtaposition of transformational change and transgressional change. We, too, we are able to see two contrasting lives here, contrasting experiences, lives that have been transformed, and the second one would be life, a life that has been transformed because of sin, a transgressional change, as what one scholar had said. And so as we reflect on this today, what does that mean for us to have this transformational change in the story of the Magi? And we would be reflecting on that in the context of hope. Because the story of the Magi is really about hope. It's, it's that expectation. Oftentimes, though, as we reflect on hope, there's one thing that just bothers me. Oftentimes, we reflect on hope as something that's just as an ideation, as just an idea. Well, of course, hope means basically a, a desire for something to happen, a feeling of expectation. But 
what does this mean, by the way? It seems to be so, I don't know, amorphous. Something that's just vague, something that's not clear. Something that's not concrete even. It's just an ideation. But as we reflect on the story of the Magi, that's when we are able to reflect on what that means for us. Of course, one of the things that I have been reflecting on of the Magi as well is this. What is their story all about? And why have they been mentioned in the scripture? I mean, one of the mysteries in the scripture is actually that of the story of the Magi. I mean, they, they came mysteriously, and then they left mysteriously as well. Have, have you not reflected on that? It's just such a short portion of scripture, and the moment you do not really dig deep as to what that means, then you lose the spiritual and the theological meaning of that in our own journey of hope. Let me ask you these questions. Where did they come from? Have you thought of that? How many were they, by the way? It seems that we are always assuming that there were three magi or three wise men. We call them three kings. But there was no mention whatsoever in Scripture as to how many were they. We assume that there were three because of the three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But that was just an assumption or a part. There was actually no mention as to how many magi came to visit Jesus. The truth is, however, according to biblical scholars, that it is impossible for just three persons to journey of a thousand, to, to take hundreds of miles of journey in the desert with just three of them. That, that would be impossible during the time. The, the mode, the way that people travel during that time would be through a caravan. That means a, a group of people even hundreds. And so we need to consider, according to Bible scholars, that there were more than three wise men or magi. And where did they come from? Well, biblical scholars as well are very, very clear that they would have come from, uh, from Babylon, from Persia. Because the word magi, uh, uh, the, the singular term would be magus, is actually a Persian word. And to be a magus, a magi, speak of a uh, special tribe, a special priests in Zoroastrianism, which is the ancient religion in Persia. And where would have they known about the Messiah, by the way? Of course, from the exiled Jews who were exiled in Babylon, from Daniel chapter 9. And so they have known of all of these things about the Messiah, their hope for the Messiah, because of those contacts with exiled Jews. But in that journey of hope, we need to reflect, however, that it goes beyond that concept of ideation, of what that hope means. And so today we would be taking that journey together with the Magi. What does it mean for us to hope? And what are the concrete ways and what might be concrete characteristics of hope for us? I think firstly, and as we reflect on scripture, it tells us that the journey of the wise men and our own journey would be a wise man's journey involve faith. I mean, it's such a simple word. But Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us, for hope or for faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Let me repeat that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
There is that certainty that when you speak about faith, it's that certainty that everything will happen. It's not just an expectation. It's not just an, ex- uh, an ideation. It, it would really happen because of the fact that you believe that there is that certainty with God's promise. The first question that the Magi asked when they arrived in Jerusalem was this. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. For them, the star was already sufficient proof that God's promise will take place. That is faith. That is that, that, that certitude. There is that certainty that God's promise of the Messiah is there just because they saw that star. Because they knew of that. They knew of that among the Jewish exiles. They knew of that from the teachings of Daniel. And from that, they believed that it will happen. And there's already that certainty. What led them to take that journey of faith coming for hundreds or even thousands of miles to take that journey to see the baby Jesus? It is a walk of faith. It was a journey of faith. And perhaps that same journey that we need to reflect on in our lives. Have you taken that journey of faith? That journey of certitude, that journey of certainty that you need to consider in your own lives? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Secondly, that journey of that wise man would be our own journey, and a wise person's journey involves worship. The second characteristics of hope, the most concrete thing that we could show that we hope for that coming of Jesus would be that we worship him. The act of worship is something that is so crucial as we follow Jesus and as we wait for his second coming. Perhaps you might be reflecting that the way that they have worshipped might be through the gifts. But the gifts that they have given were actually just the tip of the iceberg as to what it means for them to worship. For them, it was an act of sacrifice. And worship always requires sacrifice. And if you look at the story of, of, of the Magi, they really sacrificed, not only through their journey, but really even believing that things would happen and that they would be able to see Jesus. And for them, that act of worship means that they have given up their lives as well, given up everything so that they could worship Jesus. Oftentimes, we equate the worship of God through our giving. Of course, part of this process would be our own Um, gifts that we give to Jesus and give to God through our offerings, through all the ways that we give of our time, our talents to God, through volunteering. But worship goes beyond that. Worship means that we give our lives for God. It is only then can we say that there is that significant thing that we have done for God. Thirdly, a wise person's journey and that same journey that was taken by by, um, the Magi is this, that a wise person's journey is a journey of change. If you consider the words that they have said in verse 12, that when they have been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they went 
back to their country in a separate way. Isn't that interesting to see that even just in that simple text, we could already surmise a significant lesson there and that speaks about the change that they have done. Of course, literally, they made the change to another, uh, to, to change their own direction. But I do believe that that reflects of our own journey as well when we meet God in our own lives. That the moment we meet God and the moment we worship God, then there has to be change that will happen. When you meet God, it changes things. It will actually change you. It is not possible for you to express your hope in God without any manifestation of change. If there is no radical change that would be happening in your lives, because that would be one of the concrete manifestations that you have that hope in Jesus. That as you wait for his second coming, you also work out the ways that your lives would be in tune with God. That is what God is expecting of us. That we hope for the second coming through the change that would be taking place in our own lives. A journey of a wise person involves faith. A journey of a wise person involves worship. And the journey of the wise person involves change. But we need to contrast that in the life of Herod. Because as what I have said earlier, you could not understand the life and the, the lesson from the life of, of the Magi without understanding that in the context of the life of Herod, which is a life of fear. And you might be wondering, why was Herod so fearful? I mean, when, when the Magi arrived, he said, why don't you tell me where the, the, the Messiah would be born so that I could worship him? Was that really his, his reason? In fact, as we read that scripture, we realized that was not the case. His life was just full of fear. And the question is, fear of what? First, fear of losing his power. Could you imagine, and if you have read the story of Herod, he murdered his mother and sons because they were a threat to his throne. Could you imagine the evil, the meanness to kill your own mother and sons because it was, they were a threat to the throne? And that was the reason also why he wants the baby Jesus to be found so that that baby will be killed. And that was for that reason that after, uh, after the Magi went out of their own different ways, he went out killing babies two years old and below so that he would be able to kill the one who is a threat to his throne, the true king. A fear of losing one's power. But before we condemn Herod, it seems that some of us, and oftentimes we might even be in the same situation, we always want to have power. We want always to have that sense that we have direction over all things. And secondly, his fear is that of losing control. Because the moment he would not have power and there would be another king, then that means he would not have any control over all the land in Palestine. 
And for them, that was a threat. The baby Jesus, the Messiah, would be a threat because he would be losing control. But thirdly, he would also be losing identity. The fear of losing his identity. Because his identity was actually tied to being a king. He is no other one, and for him, his value, his worth, is tied to being his king, and he has that power over all things by being a king. And so the baby Jesus, the Messiah, would be a threat and of losing his own identity. Friends, let me reflect on this. Where does your identity lie? Is it from power and having power? Is it from having control? Is it from your position in society? Is it because of your socioeconomic status that because you have money and you have resources and you have, you, you have prestige, is that where your identity lie, lies? Where does our true identity lie? If you lose your job, if you lose being productive, do you also lose your own identity? your own self-worth, your own self-image. In fact, there's a research that shows that particularly, and, and I'm not just talking here about gender issues, but particularly among men, it was, it was revealed by research that the moment they lose their job, they also lose their own self-worth. Because for men, their identity is always tied to their own productivity and to their own position in society. Because men have always been so I mean, in the context of society right now, because of sin, men had been the dominant gender, controlling everything. All of the things that are happening here is because of the impact of sin over all even gender issues. And so with that feeling of dominance of men, the moment they lose their position in society, then they also lose their own identity. But let me ask you again, where does your identity lie? I think the scripture would tell us in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20 says, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is true identity, my friends. It is not identity that is based on your position in society. It is not based on your socioeconomic status. It is not based on any other thing but in terms of who Jesus is and your anchoring of your life in Jesus. You could not find any other thing and you could not find your own identity by just searching for your own self. You could only find your true identity by being in Christ. And so I pray that as we celebrate Advent, this would be our hope, this would be our reflection today, that we would embrace Christ and we would embrace his promise of eternal life. Herod's life is full of fear because of the fact that he was afraid of losing his power, he was afraid of losing control, and he was afraid of losing his identity. Is it not true that in this world today we could see so many Herods, even in this present age? People who are powerful and people who have power who feel that they have the right to destroy the lives of others, to commit violence against others just like what Herod did 
We could see this among so many world leaders even at this time. People who are powerful, not just only among those who are politicians, but even or, 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 or presidents or, or whatever positions they are in, but there are so many powerful people in society who feel that they have the right just to be dominant and to dominate the lives of others and to commit violence against others. But before we focus on that, we need to reflect as well that even in our own lives, there's also a spirit of Herod in us. A spirit of selfishness, even perhaps even a spirit of meanness and violence. The life of Herod demonstrates the radical nature of sin. Let me repeat that. The life of Herod demonstrates the radical nature of sin. Please do not take sin lightly. Look at the impact of sin in this world. Look at how everything has been corrupted. Look at how we have been corrupted by sin. And for us to say that it's only Herod who could do that, no, we are mistaken. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, For the heart is deceptively evil and desperately wicked. The heart, and Jeremiah was not just speaking about a person or someone, he's speaking about everyone, about humanity, that the heart is evil. I mean, Romans 3.23, Paul tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone, we are not free from all of this. In all dealings that we do, in all of the things that we do, there's always that element of sin that permeates. So please do not take sin lightly. And it is only in terms of identifying ourselves in Christ will sin not be able to have that grip in our own lives. And that's why we, the Bible has been clear that in Christ we have that freedom, freedom from sin, because it is only him who could break that power. And so we would be reflecting on that today. And so the first step in the celebration of Advent would be an act of confession, an act of opening up ourselves before God and saying, Lord, I am a sinner. And I accept you as my Savior, as my King. It isn't that confession of sin can really truly celebrate the, the birth of Jesus and the second coming. And I pray today that as we do that, we would confess everything before him and open ourselves up before him in confession. And so I'd like to lead you in this time of reflection today. And the question that we need to ask ourselves would be this. What gift of hope can you bring to the world? What might be the thing that you bring as a person who gave himself or herself for Christ? And now with that freedom, with that hope, with that faith and worship and change that's happening in your life, what can you give to this world? in the midst of all of this. Let us time, have this time for reflection, my friends. Amen. Mm -hmm.